right, let's get this shit show on the road here. Let's do this thing, right. son. Redux it. Reduce it. Redux it. Refine it and refux it. Words of, words of wisdom. You're traveling through another dimension, <laughs> a dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. Get two ribs in the opening. Post up ahead. Your next stop, dark territory. Ordering in Wonderlands, the Twilight Zone review. Street scene, summer, the present. Man on the sidewalk named Lou Cook, age 60-ish, occupation, pitchman. Lou Bookman, a fixture of the summer, a rather minor component to a hot July. A nondescript, commonplace little man whose life is a treadmill built out of sidewalks. In just a moment, Lou Bookman will have to concern himself with survival. Because as of three o'clock this hot July afternoon, he'll be stalked by Mr. Death. Direct to camera look. So weird. Hello, citizens. Welcome to the Toys Review. I'm Phoenix West, choir. I am Frank Link. No, Frank Clementine Links. Squeeze, squeeze. There you go. Episode 97 of our fine program. Uh, episode 102, one for the Angels Redux. We get yep. to, we do it again. Another stab at it with uh, Frank involved here. I yeah. love season one. It's one of my favorite seasons. One of them? Well, one out of uh, five. It, just I mean, like The Wire, season four is the worst. Was, was season four the kids? Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, season two is a close second to be in the Morris. I didn't like season two too much. But uh, I just rewatched them you know, a while back. And I was yeah. like, oh, season two, here we go. And I liked it. I watched it. And I was like, oh, I liked it better this time around. And then season four started, and I got halfway through, and I was like, I'm done watching The Wire for now. And it's been six months, eight months. I don't know. I haven't gone back. Dude, season four was one of the seasons where you just had to push through to get to the gold. Yes, season five, season five is great. It was amazing. I just, I just can't force myself. I don't know why. Dude, you you have to just push through just to find out what happens to Omar. Well, I've already seen it the first time. This is a rewatch. Am I the only one that was really upset how they took Omar out? I'm probably not. Are you not upset how they did that? I'll have to rewatch and find out to remember. I don't really remember a whole lot. I mean, it was one of the most like unclimactic deaths in yeah. TV history of one of the best TV characters ever created. So if you're gonna watch The Wire, uh, sorry about that. Anyway, it's been a decade. It you has. Know, if you haven't it watched has. it, you ain't going to. Yeah, same thing with Sopranos. I, I've never seen it. I'm just no, you haven't I'm seen the ending. Probably, I've seen the ending because everyone fucking shared it. But I was going to say, if you've seen the ending, you really didn't see nothing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The uh, fucking Christ, Frank, let's get to this episode. Uh, I think you're a bigger fan of this episode than I am, it seems like. It, well, come on. It's Lou Bookman. It's the mayor from Jaws. It's. You know what's <laughs> fucked up? This has the exact same rating as the last episode we just did. The piano in the house. A piano in the house. Not even close. Earl Hamner Jr., Rod Serling. Are you out of your mind? Yeah. Not even the same ballpark. I do like this episode. Um, I'm just not in love with it. It's a, it's a good episode. I'm not saying it's great. I just really liked it. You know, but there was a lot of, like I said, there was a lot of episode, or season one that I really liked a lot. Wasn't this in your top five? Yes, it was. It was my number five. But you're saying it's not great? I just said it was great. I said, but there was a lot of great ones in season one that was hard to uh, figure out which one of them was what. But, you know, I had to make a list then and there. Yeah. Plus, it was based off of a list of uh, season one episodes where I didn't really see them all. It was just off of memory, you know? 
Yeah, and, and by right then and there, you mean you had a two-week heads up, heads up there. Would you want me to do binge watch all 37 in two weeks? No, you look at a list and you use your memory. <laughs> okay, let me rewind to what I said. Um, yeah, I didn't really watch all of season one at that point, so yeah. I was going based off of memory, and I didn't have that great of a memory of them all. <laughs> so I, I couldn't remember some of them, and I just had done the season, so I sit there and went through IMDb and like read the synopsis. That's how I, it was, Some of them I can't remember what the fuck they were about. I was like, oh yeah, that one, okay. Because because your favorite one, you you had to keep on saying it and then describing a bit of it, so I would remember what it was. <laughs> oh yeah, and then we didn't, yeah we did a redux on that one, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, uh, this episode, um, fucking, I've already done it. What do you want to say about it? I mean, it's real, real. I mean, if borderlines pedophile if it was if it was done exactly how it was done today as it was done back then but in color wow would this guy be carted off to to jail for for, for suspected uh, pedophilia yeah you can't get away with this shit nowadays no because he's like the sad old man who's selling stuff out of a suitcase on wheels and then apparently death follows you around while taking fucking notes like an insurance investigator like trying to catch you doing something the old scam, like uh, the disability scam, and he's just watching you. And he's just sitting there, and he's in full sight. And he's, like, right next to him. And he's like, hmm, hmm. and he does a direct-to-camera shot, like, look at the camera, looks right down the fucking lens. <laughs> like, uh, weird. I loved it. I don't know. I mean, it, it was charming. I'll give it charming. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, Lou? I mean, uh, under the context, it was pretty charming. Uh, and... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I got the message. It was a happy-go-lucky. It was one of those few happy-go-lucky kind of messages that the Twilight Zone will eventually, like, uh, extend an olive branch out to somebody who deserves it. Yeah. Even though I killed him. Well, he was dying anyway, regardless. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, Lou goes back home. He has, like, a fucking crazy cat lady apartment. He's one step away from being a crazy cat lady. <laughs> and then minus the cats. Yeah, he's just like talking around, talking to himself, and then fucking he looks up and he sees Mister Bookman. And he t- does like a triple take. It takes him a full minute of looking at him to realize he's there. And then his first reaction, which always threw me off, is he's not like, "What the? F- get the fuck out of my apartment! I'm calling the cops." He's just like, "How do you get in here? Do you want to buy a tie? Like what?" <laughs> he immediately starts to hawk him shit. This guy's dedicated. <laughs> yeah, they're desperate. I think is what they call that. Desperate, yeah. But he just gives away toys to the to the children. It's all about the children. The children. He reminds me of a what's the uh, Mad Hatter. That's what he reminds me of. He was Mad Hatter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he did the voice of the Mad Hatter. Yeah, that it's a fucking creepy because he's <sighs> okay. Well, I don't know what to get into here. The um, what, what do we got? Do you really want to read that? I got Mark Graham Zickery's take, okay. if you'd like. Would Would you like to hear his take? His condensed version, yes. Okay. Um, I did fold the um, piece of... Oh, there it goes. I did yeah, fold the page. It. So I knew... Oh, there we go. See? It worked. <laughs> He's getting quicker. Okay, so... Produced by Rod Serling, written by, uh, you know, Rod Serling, all that. Okay, so, um, you know, yeah, you know how Mark Zickery Jr. No, you don't. But he does, like, a street scene, and then he does a synopsis and all that. But I'm more interested in his take, his personal take. Okay, here it is. As a conclusion to Wind's Age, all the episode's night scenes were shot during the day. This was accomplished by pulling tarp, tarp, tarpaulins, tarpaulins, T-A-R-P-A-U-L-I-N-S. Tarpaulins? I guess so. Pulling tarpaulins over the back lot tenement street, giving the illusion of night. But don't let this, uh, this give the impression that everyone was bending over backwards for wind. On the contrary, it was 
he who extended himself to the fullest. He was outstanding, says an assistant director, Edward Denault. He was very prompt, knew his lines. I remember his chair was very close to the camera at all times. So it was, so it was never, I'll be in my dressing room or anything like that. You turn around when you're ready. Ed was sitting right there. He was a real joy to work with, a real pleasure. I think this was the beginning of Mark Zickery's book where he didn't really know where to put his uh, uh, opinion or whether to give one because he didn't give one. Yeah, and then uh, all that and Edwin died like seven years later. Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, he was pretty old, so seven years. Good show, old chap. Yeah, he he's a little bit younger than the the character he plays. No, they said he was born in 1890, is that right? Yeah, so he's a little bit older, four years older. Well, the Rod said, the Rod said, the way Rod said he the was Rod. 60-ish. He said 69, and he's born in 1890. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, so 90 and then, yeah, wouldn't that make him 70? Well, if he has his birthday. Well, it's E69. Yeah, because yeah, this was filmed in 59. My bad. I'm sorry. Not fine. This was filmed in 59, so it would be he would be 59. No. He'd be 69. Yes. Yeah. So he is 69. I'm sorry. He is 69. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, Frank's I, down the rabbit well, hole. Why? You know, 59 screwed me up because it was filmed in 59. My bad. My bad. So there you go. Sorry about that, guys. So sorry. sorry about that, ladies. I try to get all the information as good as humanly possible, but sometimes I fall short. So, uh, Mr. Death is in the apartment now. However, he doesn't say he's Mr. Death, and he starts to like move around the apartment like a real fucking asshole. Like, why is he? Why is he just? Bloop, I'm gonna be over here now in a different chair. You have so many chairs facing the middle of the room. And then Mr. Bookman's looking around. He looks at the ceiling. I'm like, do you really fucking think the guy's in the ceiling talking to you, you goddamn psychopath? What world do you live in where that has ever happened to you? It's like, Mr. Bookman. And he's like, what? Yeah, I can't tell where sounds are coming from. He, maybe he does need to die. He has four corners in his entire apartment. Now listen here. You keep popping up in corners I didn't even know existed in this room. I'm like, what, the right one? Yeah, the one with all the furniture and all your stuff. You just you don't go in that part. This is, I hide this part of the, this corner like a deep dark secret, like a child molestation accusations. That corner doesn't smell anymore, does it? I mean, I've been scrubbing. <laughs> Bleach can only clean so much. Yeah, uh, death is a fucking asshole because we know he's death because Rod told us, but he doesn't tell Mr. Uh, Bookman he's death. And he, like, speaks in riddles, and he's like, well, our time of departure is midnight, and then this, and then he's like, well, where are we going? He's like, you still don't get it, do you? And he's like, no, obviously, what? Who the fuck are you? Why'd you break into my apartment? And he's like, you humans, ugh. And he gets all mad and, like, judgmental when people don't yeah. understand. You think you live forever, and you don't. No shit, Death. Yeah. What's so hard about, hey, I'm Death. Here, I'll move across the room in front of you instead of when you turn around when the camera angle changes. I'll do that right now. Do you believe me? Okay, good. Mr. Buckman. Yeah. (laughs) No, I have to to touch the plant and let let that die. He he kills recklessly in this. Yeah. He, He has to kill a plant to prove his point instead of just saying, look, I'm the Grim Reaper, brother. You're gonna die. Remember that time Trust I goodness. moved across the room magically? Just, Just go ahead and take that as proof. Exactly. He can teleport everywhere, but he has to he ta- he has to the poor rose, which Bookman had just watered. Yeah. Uh, Fucking asshole. Uh, That's look, an asshole in this one. I think I've so yeah, and not for them, but but in the beginning of this, th- this is insanity how I don't know if Rod wrote this or just the kids are this insane by, or they just love his name, but here we go. Besides, they knew. Toys knew. We sell them toys. I'll show you what I was selling. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this little girl. <laughs> Zip. Thanks, Lou. That's all right, Maggie. Here's one for you, Ricky. Thanks, Lou. His name's now, Lou. Book, social and ice cream hour takes place right after supper. Ugh. Take a turn now. Don't forget. Bye, you 
I'm just gonna give her popsicles. Eat that slowly. Yeah. <laughs> Those kids <coughs> said Lou thirteen times. That sounded like one voice to me. What do you mean? That all sounded like one voice, all the kids. Was that multiple kids all talking? Yeah, it was about four of them. They all have the same shrill fucking voices that Marky has. Remember Marky? <laughs> was that Marky? Uh, no, it wasn't the same actress. Okay. okay. But she sounds just like her. She uh, only, really only without the, the fucking psychopath side. Don't you remember? You should have remembered. Why don't you remember? <laughs> you bend your hand, remember? Dude, that was one of the funniest goddamn ads you ever came up with. What? You know, <laughs> it used to work, don't you remember? <laughs> <laughs> Did you forget how to get an erection? You used to remember. You were doing so good. You were doing so well, don't you remember? <laughs> uh, I forgot about that. Oh, it's too funny. Yeah, go check out that episode. That was the Redux. The, uh... Nightmare as a Child Redux. Yep, yep. We uh, we killed it. Killed it. That's one, it's one. It's it's one of our most popular episodes. Definitely check it out. Where can they check that out, Phoenix? Here. Right on. So, uh, <laughs> plug so, a show we're on. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, it, it it felt like I was doing an ICP with Missy because that's what I normally do. Like I'll segment into <laughs> plugging our website. <laughs> You know, you so, can find that podcast where you found this one, you fucking idiots. I think you'll figure podcast. it out. Do yeah, you know the name of them. Find them already. <laughs> Look, scroll down. Move your goddamn thumb, you lazy asshole. Scroll for once. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Scroll. You shouldn't have to scroll that far, honestly. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that was a little bit. I'll help crazy. you out. It's episode ninety of this program. There. There you go. You'll figure it out. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pin, um, you know, our latest one from season three, but then I'm going to retweet um, the last Redux and, you know, I'll, of course, tweet up this Redux. So, uh, you know, throw, throw that on the show's Twitter, but we'll let you know about that at the end of the show. So, um, and then right after that, it's when he meets death, what you were talking about. So this is kind of how it went. It was, I, I mean, dude, the, the mayor from Jaws kills it, I think. I know him yeah. as uh, the guy from the movie Seconds, which I talk about all the time. Seconds? Yeah. I know. I got to watch it. Do you mean you have to watch it together one day? He has such a small role in Seconds, like literally one scene, but he fucking kills it. Oh, he's in two scenes, technically. Now I went, those kids hung up right there, Buster Brown. I know that's a Jaws reference. You didn't get it much. How many times have you seen the movie again? You, you just said the answer once. Yep. Just, I don't understand you at all. Okay, here we go. He meets death. Who has broken into his apartment, by the way? Hey, you, you're the man I saw on the sidewalk today. You, you were writing in a book. Common answer. 2,000. That's right. Louis J. Book. Is there something I can show you? 5,000. Five seconds. He tries to sell him something. No, no, Mr. Bookman. I'm not here to buy anything. Oh. Now let's get to business, shall we? Louis J. Bookman, age 69, right? I'll be 70 in September. There you go, Frank. Occupation. 69 and a half. Right? <laughs> Where are the children? A census taken? Born New York City, 1890. That's right, 1890. Father Jacob Bookman, mother Flora Bookman. Father's place of birth, Detroit, Michigan. Mother's place of birth, Syracuse, New York, right? That's right. <laughs> My goodness, you, you got it all down in that Can book. you just say no to death and fool him right there? Oh, no, that's not me. The 19th huh? July. Can you just be like, no, that's not me? Night tonight. All right, Sam. My departure. Wow, Frank, never mind. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Yeah, I didn't say no, it, was, it wasn't me, buddy. I'm saying if death is like, is is it is this you or you're this guy and your parents are born here? Can you just be like, oh no no no, wrong guy, sorry. And he'll oh, be like, oh shit. See, you 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 need uh, <laughs> you need K Bookman, not J Bookman. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> My bad. Yeah. This. Oh, he's a down. He's a door down. 
fucking kill your neighbor. He's going to say no a lot because that guy's an asshole. Trust me, that bookman's no good. I'm telling you. He does try. He does try. Yeah. So Death flat but. out tells him he's going to kill him in his sleep at midnight. How how well would you be able to sleep that night knowing that ahead of time? This like let, alerting him ahead of time would would throw off the t- the timeline. Just so you could just I'm not gonna go to sleep then. After he told me, I think I go no, it's not. <laughs> that was time. Yeah. You tricked me. <laughs> That's what you're doing. Okay. Yeah. It's. <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to stay, I'm going to pull an all-nighter. He's still going to kill me? What's that? It's like, I'm going to pull an all-nighter and just, you still going to kill me? You told me I had to die in my sleep. Your move. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll never do another pitch and I ain't going to sleep ever. Yeah, because this fucking timeline's so precious, apparently it throws everything off, that if he doesn't die in his sleep, seems like they throw it off, right? And then I go, yo, Death, do you know any good speed dealers? <laughs> <laughs> I'll find one of my own. Uh, what one of these kids will sell it to me? He he starts to bargain with death, which is a, a grieving sign. And he's like, "Is there? Is it, don't I have any say in this?" And he's like, "There's three cases you can have for appeals. Uh, you, you don't have any family. You're a lonely sack of shit." Uh, men, men of great importance, like scientists or politicians that are on the verge of discovery. I'm like, why does death and and if, you know, assuming there's a god here, why does he care about that? You know what I mean? He shouldn't he be involved in that. It. He dismisses the the bylaw right away. That's not you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at the department. Come on. And then, uh, unfinished business is the third category. Yep, yep. And, uh, I mean, good on Jay Bookman to think on his feet, I suppose. He, he tried that, like, I've never been in an aeroplane or a helicopter. <laughs> I got that right now. It's hysterical. You want to hear it? It's so desperate, yeah. He's just, like, looking around like, you don't have anything to live for. You should have killed yourself <laughs> years ago. <laughs> here he goes. It's, uh, yeah, here, here, here's the ground rules. I think he gets into it then. Now. Shall we get down to business? Time of departure is midnight tonight. I trust that will suit you. The preordination is for death during sleep. I uh, assume this too will meet with your approval. You'll find us a relatively simple and painless and barely... Now, just a minute. I don't want to go. No, they never do. But there's no reason for me to go. I'm a very healthy man. Outside of a slight cold I had last winter and a sliver that festered in that finger there... I don't think I've had a sick day in 20 years. That's as it may be, but departure time is set for midnight, and departure will be midnight. Don't I have anything to say about that? We do listen to appeals, but frankly, Mr. Bookman, there's very little here in the way of an extenuating circumstance. There are three major categories of appeals. One is hardship cases. Now, do you have a wife or family who uh, might suffer beyond a reasonable point in your demise? No. No family, no. The second category is priority cases, uh, statesmen, scientists, men on the verge of discoveries. I, uh, I take it you're not working on any major scientific pursuit at the moment. No, no. What's the third category? I don't think you're qualified here either. You're a child molester. Business of a major nature. Well, you don't have any unfinished business, do you, Mr. Bookman? Oh, but I do. Indeed, I do. That's it, you see. I Yes, yes, I, I have some unfinished business. Jeopardy music starts to play. I've never flown in a helicopter, that's it. I have never flown in... Insufficient, Mr. Bookman. Anything else? Now, you look here. I've lived in this room for 21 years. And you keep popping up in corners of the room that I've never even seen before. Would you please stay in one place? Is there anything else, Mr. Bookman? Yes, yes. I have never seen a Zulu war dance. Now, that's the answer right there. So you'll have to give me a couple of months and let me go over there to that Zulu country. And... <laughs> no? 
No, unfinished business of a major nature, something a man has yearned for and something he might accomplish given an extension. Well, there is one thing. What is it, Mr. Bookman? Well, between you and me, I, I never made a truly big pitch. I mean, I mean a, a big pitch. A pitch big enough to, for the skies to open up. You know, a, a, a pitch for the angels. Of course, that wouldn't mean very much to you, but it would mean a great deal to me. It would mean that for one moment in my whole life, I would have done something successful. It would mean that maybe, that maybe the children would be very proud of me. Yeah. The children? Yes, yes. I've always had quite a fondness for children, you know. Yes, that's, that's all here in the record. The court record. Problem here, Mr. Bookman, <laughs> is that you'd require a delay until... Uh... Until I make a pitch. You know, the kind of pitch I was talking to you about there. One for the angels, you mean. That's right. One for the angels. Yeah, one for the angels. God. Can you expunge my record as well? Someone... <laughs> God, it's so creepy about the kids. They just walk... Walk into his apartment and and hang out. Hi, Lou. My toy doesn't work, Lou. Lou. Can you fix it, Lou? Is your name Lou? Because I call you Lou. Can I call you Lou? 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 What? God damn. <clears throat> I changed my name to, like, something very long. And, it, and I love that they had nothing for the actor to do. So he literally goes, here, you have to turn this key right here. That's it. Uh, you see this little cog here? Got oh, dislodge you. Just twist, twist. You're good to go. I'm like, I don't think it was dislodged, Lou. I just don't think it was twisted. She wasn't fucking twisting the the, the very large, obvious key in the back of the wind up toy. Couldn't figure that out. <clears throat> Come on, Lou. You're Ten a terrible points. salesman. Ten points, Phoenix. What was the toy that she was playing with? Was it Robbie the robot? Good job, buddy. I thought, I, thought I remembered. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's a fucking ton of them, too. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, but... Yeah, I get my 10 I points. I think a dick at Robbie the Robot from, from Rod. It's like, yeah, you know, nobody's buying your shitty toy. Do we have, like, a catalog? Because I, I, don't, I don't know how to spend my points. Uh, I'm working on it. Okay, okay. We'll get that up there. Don't worry. We'll start doling out listener points, too, if you want. Oh, we got to get that catalog up and running, though. Well, I have a, um, okay, I'm throwing it out there. I have one of those bobblehead, um, you know, uh, fortune teller, what was it called? And um, Shatner was in it. Let's uh, get the word devil in it. No, I think it was like, was it Nick Mystic, Mystic Seer. No, yeah, yeah, it's called the Mystic Seer, but it was. Oh, the Nick episode. of Times, the episode, yeah. I thought Nick you were talking about the actual. Shatner. Yeah. <clears throat> I have that, and Phoenix and I will sign that for you, so that's a hot item, hot, hot item. And you will sign it personally to you guys. Okay. Plus, uh, I also have a, um, well, actually, I'm not going to sell it because I like that too much. But that's what's up for grabs. So, you know, follow our Twitter. We're eventually going to, you know, come up with some creative way of, uh, you know, so a fan that's been with us for a while can really, you know, uh, get the uh, get the answer to the question and really deserve what they're going to get. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, it's going to cost you 2.4 million points though, but you can buy the points on our website for a dollar a point, and then you dollar well, fifty. Oh, oh yeah, with taxes. It's, yeah, we we want a dollar after the taxes and everything goes through, and you know the fees for whatever you're yeah. running. So we'll we'll get it. We'll get the dollar after. So dollar fifty. Okay. Or it's only a dollar is if is if you mail us cash only. Okay. Yeah, that's that's true. Can't claim that. All right. Sounds like a plan. Send that to me though. I like it. I like it. Send or that. we could set up a Patreon just for that. Okay, we can try that. Yeah, I was so, thinking about it. I, I might do it after the show. So, guys, look out for Patreon slash uh, LIW, the TZ review. See if it pops up, if I actually get to it. And then the first thing I'll do is we'll, we'll you know, we'll put up the uh, picture of it. And uh, we'll come up with some rules. Uh, uh, Phoenix, I will brainstorm a little bit. What do you think, Phoenix? 
That's fine. Uh, let's let's think about it first before we throw it up there. Well, I didn't. You know, I was just saying we'll we'll, we'll think about it. First, yeah. yeah. Stay Come tuned. Up with different ways. Yeah. So, Lou <coughs> decides he's going to do a big pitch for the Angels for the Angels, and then uh, so he starts to delay it, and he's like, ah, sucker, haha, and he flees, and then uh. He's just walking around, and then Death's like, you really shouldn't be doing this. You don't realize how much you're fucking up everything here. It's really going to fuck up everything. And he's just, like, lounging on the, st- the banister, and then walks yeah. down the stairs, goes up the stoop, walks on the sidewalk, and he's like, I've been forced to make other arrangements. And then we see the little girl. We hear the little girl get hit in a similar manner of... It reminded me of the... Uh, they love killing children in this early, early seasons. The, the grandma one, the long-distance call, this one. Yeah, just so many yeah. child death, and then it's supposed to be sweet, but like really, this version of a god or death or whatever you want to look at it as is fucked up. Because if I can't kill this sixty-nine year old, sixty-nine year old man who's supposed to die of old age, ah, eh, fuck it, I'll take this eight-year-old little girl, and make her get hit by a car. Ah, eh, fuck no. it, because I have a quota, like a fucking like a beat cop, like a, or like a like a traffic cop. What the fuck? Right. Right. <laughs> like why does death work that way it's not when you d- need to die or when you're supposed to die it's I have to take a life right now who's fuck an 8 year old girl right there good enough like who makes up these rules where it has to be midnight and no matter what so if you're gonna not stand up for your deal I'm taking someone else and it's gonna be the most screwed up person possible and one of the odds it's someone in the same building as his that, that he knows it's well, not I mean I First, I, I think Death knew that Bookman would come to his senses and, you know. But, um, yeah, but he also wasn't willing to back off later when it was when he told him, I'll go instead. He's like, nope. <laughs> because he knew Bookman would eventually, you know, do everything he could to save a little girl, which would mean doing his pitch for the angels. He, he was manipulating him. I thought so, but I don't I don't think so. He was going to go kill that little girl. He just got tricked. That girl was almost dead. Well, he had to create the illusion. You're saying he's that committed. Okay. Well, dude, he had money on him. Why would death be walking around with money? Yeah, there's a lot of questions there. Why does death carry cash is a great question. He just has... And I need to buy ties. I need to buy just an armful of ties. But the, the driver that hit that little girl... Is like you got you got you got to believe me. She just jumped out in front of me. I couldn't have done it. Couldn't have, nothing. I could have done nothing. I could have done nothing. I could have done. And they're like, "That's a fine. Just go get a doctor. Someone needs to go get a doctor." And then and then the the driver volunteers. And I'm like, "You are the one person who's not allowed to leave right now." He just flees. That guy never came back. Yeah, and and that never ends up well. Trust me. Yeah, they always end up fine. And then Lou is on the ground with her and puts a starts moving her fucking neck around a whole bunch. Yeah, which is always good to do. Yeah, when someone uh, gets injured involving their neck, just start like moving it around it a lot. Just it's they really didn't good know for that it. back then in the eighteen twenties, <laughs> or back 60s. when he was negative seventy. <laughs> 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 oh. oh brother! I'm pretty uh, sure they know about the, spinal cord uh, injuries. <laughs> let's see what I got here. Um... Yeah, here we go. Now, shall we get down to business? Time of departure is midnight tonight. Oh, sorry. I sorry, 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 sorry. Why does she see death and comment on him for no reason? She doesn't know he's death. I don't This whole scene. It, yeah, she's like, oh, the invisible man. Goodbye, invisible man. So I'm like, oh, she's so adorable. Who's that man, Lou? Just some guy. Why the fuck does he interest her at all? Yeah. Here, here we go. You're gonna be all right, darling. You're gonna be just fine. Hi, Lou. <laughs> Hello, sweetheart. Stop touching me there, Lou. Lou? That's yeah. not how you give CPR, Lou. Sad man. Do you see him? Yes, Lou. <laughs> That's not yes, appropriate, Lou. Yes, I see him. 
Uh, oh my God! You can't take her. You can't take her. Take me. I'm sorry, it's all you. Yeah. Then the doctor comes, and the the most uh, the the doctor has a precision of when she's gonna hit the peak. Uh, you know, when it decides the tipping point. He's like, "I'll be back at midnight," because that's exactly when you get better or worse. When the day changes, people die or live. Yeah, I, I've never heard that. You know, well. He might not make it. Let's just wait until the clock strikes 12. <laughs> yeah, cause I, I overheard death down there a second ago. So you never know. He works kind of that way. Yeah, he's a real midnight kind of guy. Uh, but until Lou starts turning, in, turning him into a crackhead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then, turns into a raving crack. He does. And and Lou's plot is like, he can't have a, I'm going to stand down here. I'm going to, even though he can teleport wherever he wants, I'm going to go ahead and block the stoop because he can't get in otherwise, even though he's proven the fact that he can. Yeah, I, I think I have him. He's not coming through here, and it's it's pretty quick. It's only like 15 minutes. 15 minutes? Good God. Or 15 seconds. Sorry. Doctor? It's hard to tell. She's a very sick little girl, but we'll know soon. She should hit a crisis by midnight. By midnight? I think by then. Rushing his dialogue. <laughs> I know. But midnight. Yeah, that's what I just said. It's fine. Sick little girl with my hit crisis by midnight. Bye. I don't care. She's a little girl. I'm a doctor. What do you want me to do? Bye. He leaves for like an hour and comes back at midnight. And he's just like... In and out of that apartment, apparently, all day. I don't know why the fuck he's... Because they don't show him come back. He's just... He leaves later, though. Very punctual, though. 15 minutes early. Kind of like my wife. Uh, she she sets all her clocks 15 minutes early. So that way, she's always on time. But she's early. She's not on time. I just uh, leave a little earlier and don't fool myself. <laughs> Literally, dude... I, I tried to touch her clock yesterday to reset it to the proper time. She flipped shit. <laughs> yeah, he does show up at 11.45, and then he's like sits there on the stoop, talks to Lou. And then he talks... This is when he mentions that his whole timetable will be thrown off if he misses midnight. And I'm like, does that mean like the end of the world? <laughs> like, like, what kind of a destruction is Lou going to cause here? He doesn't really specify. When I hear timetable, I think of, like, time travel, and I think of, like, paradoxes, and I think of just fucking, like, bloop, there goes uh, everything. Maybe Lou turns into the pumpkin that, uh, you know, the mice drive away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it could be, yeah. Waited too long. So then uh, Lou brings out his little suitcase, and he's like, what are you doing, Lou? There's nobody out here. Uh, you're not." He's like, that's fine. Somebody, people will come. And he starts to like, I love this speech. I assume you have the clip of his great talking about silk and and then uh, his whole bird carrying silk across the ocean took 832 crosses or something like that. And it's just like the most nonsensical thing. And then as Frank stated, death turns into a goddamn crackhead, like sweaty and covered in ties. And I was looking at the time. He They showed the clock inside. They... they we're watching them. Death's already sweaty. It cuts back to inside, 11.48. It's been three minutes, and basically one of those minutes was a, was a sales pitch. So in they, one minute, he turned him into this. I know. It's like, oh, my God, that's crazy. Yeah, here it is. There we go. Oh, they'll be here. They'll come around. You're here anyway. Oh, yes, I'm here. But uh, I'm afraid I'm not much of a customer. How do you know? Have you seen my stuff? He, he saw we'll take body. this lovely tie here, for oh. instance. Oh, oh, excuse me. <laughs> he accidentally grabs a robot What's instead of a tie. Looks like a tie. Rob robot. Feel it. So, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. If you will feast your eyes on probably the most exciting invention since atomic energy, a simulated silk so fabulously conceived as to mystify even the ancient Chinese silk manufacturers. An almost unbelievable attention to detail. A 
piquant interweaving of cosmos softness. If you will, a demonstration of tensile strength. Feel that, if you will, sir. Unbelievable, isn't it? As strong as steel, yet as fragile and delicate as Shantan silk. Picture, if you Make will, up your mind, Lou. 300 years of fact <laughs> and labor to develop this. The absolute ultimate in threat. And what would you expect to pay for this fabulous, I say fabulous, incredible, amazing development of the tailor's art? Would you pay $30 a spoon? $25, $20, $10? Or, well, very well you might, sir, if you were trying to purchase this in stores. But this fantastic thread is not available in stores. It is smuggled in by oriental birds, especially trained for ocean travel, each carrying a minute quantity oriental in a small birds. satchel underneath their ruby throats. It takes 832 crossings to supply enough thread to go around one spool. And tonight, at my special Get Acquainted introductory mid-July hot summer sale, I offer you this fabulous thread. Not at $20 a spool, not at 10 not at 5 but at the ridiculously low price of $0.25 cents a spool. I'll take all you have. <laughs> I'm dead. I don't fucking care. I'll take it all, though. I will suck your dick. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they almost got there because the next thing he does is, he, does he try to sell himself as a slave? What the oh, fuck is with this? I don't understand this next part you're going to play. It's, Here he goes. It's so weird. Unprovoked. Guaranteed live human man servant. How's that? For what I ask, you sir receive a willing, capable, worldly, highly sophisticated, wonderfully loyal right-hand man to use in any capacity you see fit. How's that? Me. How's <laughs> that? Uh -huh. The first model of his kind. He comes to you with an absolute guarantee, all parts interchangeable. With a certificate of four years serviceability. He eats little, he sleeps little, he rests only occasionally. And there he is at your elbow, at your beck and call whenever needed. Mr. Bookman, you are a persuasive man. I challenge any other store, wholesale house, or industry to even come close to matching what I offer you here. Because, my dear man, I offer you, I offer you. It's midnight and I've missed my appointment. It's every three hours, Mrs. Polanski. She'll be all right. She just needs a lot of rest now. Anything after this? Uh, yeah. Okay. 12, Mr. It, it's actually the charming part. Thank God. A most persuasive pitch, Mr. Bookman. An excellent pitch. Yes, quite a pitch. Very effective. It's the best I've ever done. It's a kind of a pitch I always wanted to make. A big one. A pitch so big, so big that the sky would open up. <laughs> pitch for the angels. That's right, a pitch for the angels. Well, I, I guess it's time for me now. As per our agreement. Well, I'm ready. After you, Mr. Bookman. No, I like the music. Oh, excuse me, I forgot something. I'll be back. Goosebumps TV show music. You never know who might need something up there. Up there? Up there, Mr. Bookman. You made it. Yeah, the music is so much better there. Like, I feel like the rest of the seasons just reuse the same five music clips. Uh, yeah, they, they recorded a certain amount of clips per season that they had to use. And they just so reuse them. Mm -hmm. That goddamn harmonica. God, I'm so sick of that. 
Yeah, I, I think uh, season one's music was the best, though. We, 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 what do you think? Definitely. Yeah, hands down. Hands down. Question hands about the clip up. there. Not up, but down. Um, <laughs> he, the, okay, so he's doing the pitch. He gets to midnight. We hear the first dong. And Death is like, fuck, I missed it. And I was like, dude, you still have a full minute. It's mm. It starts at 12. And then it dongs 12 times. And then you have the rest of the minute. It's two flights of stairs. You can get up there. If you're really that crunched and, and it's this important, get the fuck up there. And <laughs> Really? And then, and then uh, the, the fucking... They're still going it's like bong bong, and then then death or the doctor does his little speech right there where he's like, it's, it's exactly one minute after midnight she'll be fine because it's it's that exact of a science according to this doctor, and I was like, it took a full minute for those twelve clock strikes to go off seriously, <laughs> like it's a quick <laughs> minute or or some spread out, <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah really like it wasn't very many. I mean, but then again, having 12 just sound off the take forever, I think. And should they turn that shit off at, you know, overnight? Um, yeah, they, actually they do, because I used to live next to a few churches that would do that, you know, like at like uh, 6 p.m., stuff like that. And, yeah, after about like 8 p.m., they would stop doing it until about 7 p.m. Yeah, 7 p.m. or a.m. No, that's what I meant. Seven, eight. Oh, I'm sorry. Say if they turn up for an hour, it's actually not even off at that point. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 because it'd be really fucking irritating, especially uh, you know to the ten, eleven, twelve o'clock hours when it's you know doing that many fucking boom, boom. Oh my god, you never get <laughs> any sleep. I, I mean, I guess if it goes past you know, enough times, you, you get used to it. Like a buddy of mine in, in Indy, like the. The train passes them at all hours of the night, and you and you hear it, and it's just like, "Wow, do you hear it? That's a loud train." He goes, "I don't even know this anymore." Yeah, so yeah, possibly. I, I mean, have have you ever lived next to a pretty, you know, busy train train intersection where he blows the horn a lot? No, but I did live in L.A. and I hear gunfire at night, and I go, "Eh," and go back to sleep. Very comparable. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Anyway. Uh, <laughs> He, he he finally takes Mr. Bookman after this little speech, and then he's like, "I need my suitcase to bring. Someone might need something up there." And he's like, "Up there, Mr. Up there, Mr. Bookman. Oh God, no! <laughs> I'd like to bring back up those court records from before. Those children. Oh, their stories will be told. You're definitely not getting, definitely not going up there, sir. I'm sorry. I don't know what gave you that impression. Yeah, I'm worried about that. And then he's burning hell." Oh, God. The end. It's a really weird ending. It really is. I mean, um, like, like, but again, it was charming. You know, it was a charming ending. All's well that ends well. Yeah. You know, I just didn't need to see the children all, all, all hand in hand crying in, in joy that he was finally dead, that their monster in their apartment building was dead. It was a really bizarre ending and bold for the time. Very bold. Like, you just killed it. You almost killed a child for your selfishness. Yes. Selfishness and then, you know, all the other crimes he did that um, the parents are... Not aware of yet. Yeah. They'll figure it out later when those kids are real fucked up. Yeah. When they're going to therapy and they don't understand why. When they're carving Lou <laughs> in their name, they don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. And then, uh, so, next one I got, where am I? Yeah, the next one I got is the the outro. So, um, is there anything else that you wanted to add to this uh, story before we hit the outro? Is there any other thoughts? No, <laughs> I can't think of anything. Yeah, me neither. I mean, it was pretty cut and dry. I gotta be honest. Like, you know, I, I mean, I I can go on and on about Jaws quotes from the mayor. Let's not he, do that. He had a lot of gems. Let's go ahead and play that clip. Thanks, Mister Quint. We'll keep. Oh, right. I, and I was going to record Jaws close to but I, I decided against it. Yeah, let's not do that. Say that for our Jaws podcast. I love that sound. Lewis J. Bookman, age 60-ish. Occupation, pitchman. Did you call him J. Bookman? A fixture of the summer. 
formerly a rather minor component to a hot July. But throughout his life, a man beloved by the children, and therefore a most important man. Couldn't happen, you say? Probably not in most places. I, I didn't say that. But it did happen in the Twilight Zone. Good long. We'll be back next episode for the last rites of Jeff Myrtlebank. Um, where can we find you, Frank? That's a L-L-N-K-Z on Twitter. RedDragonsRadio.com for all our great podcasts, including this five program at L-I-W, the TZ Review of Phoenix. Uh, where can they find it? Well, we can find me at LIWstudios.com and <laughs> loitering in Wonderland at gmail.com is our email and YouTube.com slash loitering in Wonderland as well. I'm Phoenix West on Twitter. I never go on there, so have fun there. Um, but yeah, that's we'll be back. Um, Man, and I just want to throw out, do not miss loitering in Wonderland on YouTube. Great uh uh, you know, um, te- uh, things that will burn in hell. Number twenty-six was it? That came out anyway. Uh, it, it was a good one. It, it wasn't racist at all. I didn't think so. It was in the thirties. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Did you happen to catch my comment? I did. <laughs> Eventually, it just came a joke to say how many times. How many times could I say it's not racist in the episode? <laughs> Yeah, my comment quick. I'm not really sure if this was racist or not. Yeah, um, I'm not sure either. <laughs> let, let me it know. It's funny, though. <laughs> did they really teach a box in, in college, or did you make that up? No, that's why I wrote that, because it pissed me off. It was true? Yeah. Like, what college taught that? I don't know. Whatever is in that picture that I shared. Yeah, I, was, I was working. I didn't get to see the no. video video. I always just listen to the audio. Yeah, it's on there. Um, I don't know what the fuck it was. Some weird. Let's check it. Maybe maybe brown. It wasn't That's a fancy. It wasn't a fancy college. Hmm? It wasn't like it a was. fancy college. I'm hearing myself I'm hearing... right now. Ah, okay. That was what? weird. I was hearing my own voice in an echo. Just are, are you still doing that? It's gone now. Yeah, let's get out of here before we uh, break whatever's going on. Anyway, uh, until next time. In the meantime, I'm Phoenix Kitten Westquire. And I am Frank Clementine Links. Squeeze, squeeze. So long, citizens. <laughs>